Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Condemnation is designed to drive us away from God. That's exactly what Satan is wanting to do. He's wanting to drive us away from God. Whenever you are feeling you can't come to God because of something you've done, or perhaps you're feeling God is never going to use you again because of some failure on your part, know that you are being condemned by the devil. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, in a message titled, Satan's War on the Mind. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against a host of wicked spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts or the flaming arrows of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. All right, so we're continuing our spiritual warfare series, and we, we come this morning to a message that I've entitled Satan's War on the Mind. And we're going to realize this as we go through, if, if we haven't realized it already, that our minds are really one of the primary targets of the enemy. And here in the passage that we read together, there's the reference to the wiles or the schemes of the devil and the, the fiery darts of the wicked or the flaming arrows of the wicked. And although those things cover a broad range of activity, they are no doubt inclusive of Satan's attack upon our mind and emotions. Now, just how it is that Satan has the ability to interfere with our thinking process, I I don't know how that is the case. I I can't explain it in the sense that, you know, we we could really comprehend like how he's able to do that, but we know that he does. I know that he does. We know it from the scriptures and we know it also from personal experience. And we're going to see, as we look at this here, we're going to see that a lot of things that we might not uh, have been aware of that were satanically inspired, if you will, or, or originated with the devil, a lot of those things are 
things that we're experiencing on a somewhat of a regular basis. But let me give you, first of all, uh, some biblical examples of Satan's ability to influence people's thinking, just so you know for sure that this isn't just my opinion. This is what the Bible actually teaches. We go back to David, and we read in 1 Chronicles 21, we read an interesting thing there. It says, and, and Satan rose up against Israel... And he moved David to number the children of Israel. Now, numbering the children of Israel was something that the kings were forbidden to do by God. But David suddenly had this this thought in his mind that he should do that. He did do it, and it brought about uh, God's displeasure. But we're told specifically that Satan was the one who moved him to do that. So there's David, and, and this thought comes into his head. He doesn't, of course realize necessarily that the devil is the one who's interjected this thought into his mind, but that's exactly what has happened. That's what the Bible tells us there. Uh, Fast forward to the apostle Peter. We have a similar kind of a situation where Peter, on the one hand, he's had a revelation from God. There with Jesus at uh, Caesarea Philippi, Maybe you remember in Matthew 16, Jesus says uh, to his disciples, he's there with them, he says, who do men say that I am? And they give him a variety of answers. You're Jeremiah, you're, you're one of the prophets of old. And, and then he says, but who do you say that I am? And remember, Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus then says to Peter, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My father revealed that to you. So Peter has a divine revelation. God speaks to him. A few minutes later, Jesus is going on to explain to them that the messianic program is going to be different than they thought. And and he starts telling them that he's going to be rejected. He's going to suffer. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And Peter, who just moments earlier had a revelation from God, Peter speaks up and he says, not so, Lord. No, that's never going to happen to you. And Jesus said these words. He said, get behind me, Satan, for you're not thinking about the things of God, but you're thinking the way men think. And, and so Peter was under the influence of Satan at that point. Satan had put that suggestion into Peter's mind. So we see with David and Peter, two men of God, godly men, that their, their thinking process was influenced by the devil. Now, there's other examples. Uh, Judas, we read that it was Satan who put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. So the thought to betray Jesus came to Judas from Satan. In the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, we read about a couple there named Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira, they concocted a story. They lied. They were judged as a result of it by God uh, because they lied not to men but to God. But Peter asked them at a certain point, he says, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And so again, Satan was the one who influenced them to come up with this scheme, to come up with this idea. And then one more 
kind of a broader, more general passage, Paul tells us in his epistle to the Corinthians, the second epistle, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So in all of these, we see examples of Satan's ability to influence people's thinking process. Now, these satanic attacks upon the mind result in a variety of different experiences. Uh, They result in experiences like condemnation, doubt, evil thoughts, destructive thoughts, fear, depression, discouragement, and despair. And what I want to do is today I want to look at just a few three of the things on the list there. So this is going to be part one of a two-part study. As I looked at all of the things that we had to cover, I realized there's no way that we could possibly do it all in one study. So we're going to have uh, a follow-up message. Uh, But today, we're going to look at the first three things I mentioned. We're going to look at condemnation, doubt, and evil thoughts. And we're going to see that these are some of the things that fall into this category of the fiery darts or the flaming arrows of the wicked one. They fall into the category of the schemes or the wiles of the devil. So condemnation is where we begin. One of the most common tactics of the devil is to make us feel cut off from the love and the forgiveness of God. I would say in in my own experience in talking with people and counseling, giving biblical counsel to people over the past 30 plus years, I would say that this is probably the most frequent uh, tactic that the devil uses. He wants to try to get people to think that they have been cut off from the love and the forgiveness of God. This occurs most often after some failure on our part. And so perhaps you failed in some area of your life as a Christian, and, and even though you've truly repented, or at least, you know, you've repented to, to the best of your ability, you still feel as though God is angry with you, or even worse, that he is totally finished with you. This is condemnation. Condemnation is designed to drive us away from God. That's exactly what Satan is wanting to do. He's wanting to drive us away from God. Whenever you are feeling you can't come to God because of something you've done, some past sin you've committed, or perhaps you're feeling God is never going to use you again because of some failure on your part, anything like that, if that's happening to you, if that has happened to you, know that you are being condemned by the devil. And like I said a minute ago, this is something that I've seen over and over and over again. I haven't just observed it in other people's lives. I've experienced it in my own life many times. This is just what the enemy does. And he will try to come in, like I said, on the heels of some failure. And he will suggest to us that that's it. We've gone too far. There's no more grace. There's no more mercy. We've exhausted God's resources in that area it's too late, it's all over, forget it. And sometimes it it can be as severe as 
Uh, he's suggesting those things regarding our salvation. Sometimes maybe it's in the area of some kind of ministry or service to God. No, God's never going to use you again because after all, look what you did. Look what you thought. Look what you said. And, and this is just the way he operates. Anybody ever have any thoughts like that before? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. I'll, I'll raise my hands for you because uh, like I said already, I have had these on many, many occasions. This is one of Satan's most common tactics. And it's one of his most common tactics because it's one of his most effective tactics. It works. People believe it. They buy into it. And they live in, in this condemnation. Now listen, there's, there, there's another thing that we need to talk about for just a second, and that's conviction. There's conviction from the Holy Spirit. There's condemnation from the devil. How do you know the difference between one or the other? Well, listen, this is how you know. Conviction shows us our sin, but always points to the remedy of the blood of Christ. So conviction, although it shows us our sin, it pushes us toward God to receive his forgiveness. Condemnation, on the other hand, does just the opposite. Condemnation points to our sin and then suggests to us there is no remedy. There is no mercy. There is no forgiveness. So if you've, if you've had those kinds of thoughts or those kinds of feelings, and sometimes they can come as a plague upon people's minds, again, know this. That comes straight from the devil. That's the devil's work. Now, what do we do if we're experiencing this type of a thing? Well, it's here that we can't really depend on our feelings because this is part of the problem. We, we feel condemned. Even in our own thinking, we could easily understand why we might be condemned. So this is where it's so vitally important that we stand upon God's word. This is where faith comes in. Forget how you feel. You've got to, by faith, stand upon what God has declared in his word. And in Romans 8, 1, he said this, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. That's what we have to stand on. And those feelings of condemnation, no matter how powerful they might be, know this, they're not from God because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Paul, in that same chapter, he later goes on and he asks a series of questions. But at one point he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's exactly what this condemnation thing is. It's an accusation by the devil. It's a charge who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He said, it is God who justifies. So the, the answer is nobody can bring a charge against us. God's the one who's justified us. But then he goes on and he asks this question. He says, who is he who condemns? And then he says this, it is Christ who died for you, who is risen, and who is at the right hand of God making intercession for you. So his point is obvious. Christ isn't the one condemning you. No, Christ is the one who died for you. Christ is the one who rose from the dead. Christ is the one who's, he's not condemning you. He's at God's right hand praying for you. He's interceding for you. So who is it that condemns? Well, Satan can come with these accusations. He can come with these attempts to condemn us, but he can't condemn us. 
All he can do is fool us into thinking that we are condemned. And that's where we have to resist that. And then we're told that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. And you see, this is, we have to stand on these promises. How many of you have ever confessed your sin and not felt like you were forgiven? Anybody ever have that experience? I have. I've confessed my sin and not necessarily felt any different. This is where we stand in faith. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. So whether you feel forgiven or not is not the point. The point is God is faithful and just. And since you confessed, you can know, even though you might not feel it, you can know for certain that God has forgiven you. So this thought process that might come our way, this and sometimes it's uh, like a nagging voice in our heads. And you see what the devil is wanting to do, he's wanting you to think that it's God who's speaking this to you. He's wanting you to think that God's the one who's saying that you're lost now, that you're cut off, that there's no hope. He wants you to think that God's saying that. But that's not the voice of your father. No, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So that's number one. Secondly, another of the devil's darts is to try and put doubt into our mind. Try to put doubt into our mind. Satan will try to get you to doubt everything from God's existence to your own salvation, to your call to serve him. And he is especially concerned with casting doubt upon the word of God. Now, an important thing to remember, though, is that there is a difference between the temptation to doubt and the sin of unbelief. You see, just because there's a doubt full thought in your head doesn't mean necessarily that you've committed a sin. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I've had many people that have said to me, oh gosh, I just, I don't even know if, I don't know if I'm even going to make it to heaven. I'm so full of doubt. Well, really, are you really full of doubt or are you just being bombarded with the temptation to doubt? We have to make the distinction, because it's possible to be plagued by doubt and yet innocent of the sin of unbelief. You know, we can't stop certain things from happening. We, we, we're talking about spiritual warfare, right? We're in a war. What happens in a war? The enemy is, is going to attack you. The enemy is going to shoot at you. You can't stop them from doing that. And sometimes you can't, there's nothing you can do to stop that that onslaught from the devil that, that's coming and bombarding us with a temptation to doubt. We, we can't stop that from happening, but we have to recognize that that's not necessarily sin. It might very well not be sin at all. The great Victorian preacher Charles Spurgeon was very familiar with this particular temptation. He said this, my peculiar temptation has been constant unbelief. I know that God's promise is true, yet does this temptation incessantly assail me. 
doubt him, distrust him. He will yet forsake you. Spurgeon is saying he was assailed by these kinds of thoughts all the time. Spurgeon, of course, resisted these temptations, but they were a very real struggle for him. And we can have these kinds of things happening to us. I experienced this kind of temptation early in the ministry. I remember being a young pastor and I had read from certain books, I'd read certain scholars and theologians who suggested uh, that the Bible in certain places couldn't be trusted, that the Bible was historically inaccurate or it was perhaps a geographically inaccurate or scientifically inaccurate or, or something like that. And I remember back in those days, uh, I, I remember that I, I was suddenly being assailed with, with these kinds of, of thoughts. And that thought process went something like this. These books that you're reading, the, these men that you're reading, they're theologians who have studied the Bible for years. They know the Hebrew. They know the Greek. And you know nothing. How, how could you think that you're right and they're wrong? And, and I remember just being plagued for a season by those kinds of thoughts. Does that sound familiar? Satan is always trying to undermine the word of God. You know, here's the thing about the devil. He really hasn't changed his strategy much throughout history because it works. He doesn't really need to change it much. He's doing the same things today that he was doing back in the very beginning. You remember, he tried to undermine the veracity of God's word in the garden with Eve, and he succeeded in that particular occasion. He came to Eve, and what did he say? He said, has God really said? And he, and he sought to plant that doubt, and unfortunately, in her case, she she embraced that doubt. But he even tried to do this with Jesus in the wilderness. You remember, he comes to Jesus and he says, now, Jesus has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights and he's gonna come and tempt him, you know, take these stones and turn them into bread. But what does he say? He says, if you're really the son of God, take these stones and turn them to bread. I mean, the audacity of the devil. He's, he's trying to get Jesus to doubt who he is. So if he has the audacity to do that to the very son of God, then of course he is going to do similar kinds of things with us. He's going to try to get us to doubt God's word and he will do so by at times assailing us with a temptation to doubt. What do we do when this happens? Well, we can pray. We should pray. We can cry out, Lord, increase my faith. If, if, we're, if we're feeling like we're, we're coming to that place of just giving in to that pressure, we can cry to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. But not only do we pray, but we need to give ear to God's word. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. I want to tell you about one of my favorite 
biographies. I love biographies, and this book is so fantastic. It's called Out of the Black Shadows, and it's the story of a young man named Stephen Lungu. And let me just read you an excerpt from the back of the book. It says, instead of throwing bombs, he stayed to listen. What followed was better than fiction. So young man in Rhodesia, Africa, who comes into a tent meeting as a terrorist intending to blow everybody up and instead hears the gospel. And this takes him on a journey throughout the rest of his life to proclaim the gospel to his people in Africa. So I love this book. I read it years ago. It's just been republished, and that's Out of the Black Shadows, and that's by Stephen Lungu and Anne Coombs, with a foreword by Patrick Johnston, who was the evangelist preaching at the time when he attempted to burn down the tent. So check this book out. I think you're going to love it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs. You can order the book Out of the Black Shadows by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu and Ann Coombs. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.